one, two, three, and eight. Yeah, should we do like a quick intro? Like, sure. Yo, yo, what's up? Hey, this is Craven. Oh shit! You, this is Zach. We're, we're the Arl Knots. We're doing. Great. This is our podcast number eighteen for the week of, of the regular. Of the regular podcast, yes. Of the regular week. <laughs> <laughs> for the week of February 17th, 2019. This is our first podcast of 2019. It is. Damn. Yeah. I, I, thanks for everybody who have patiently awaited or, or maybe even started to doubt that the regular <laughs> Arl Knots podcast would return. But it is. We're just mixing it up. We're keeping the, yep. the output diverse. Yep. Yeah. So where do we even begin? Uh, I don't. I, I, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. We could. I don't know. We could clown about our last video. We did the uh, <laughs> the All Knots Top Ten. This is a potential new series. Yeah, we lost some subscribers with that one. That was the best. Did did we? How many did we lose? I don't even um, look at the. I uh, think one or two. <laughs> Oh no! But, but they, but How they many made it. They, they made a public display of it, you know. Oh like, right, you I'm just, You just lost a subscriber, bro. Like, I, <laughs> wow. I, I always wondered about people. I mean, nothing against people who want to throw their subscription weight around, right? But like, it is always funny when somebody believes that they're single subscription is somehow like a I mean I, I get it I get there's it. like a direct there's like a direct dollar value to it I think is what they're they're implying with when they proclaim their unsubbed status yeah that person is not publicly. a that person is not a customer you know right they're not that's that subscription I don't I don't never mind I don't even want to get into it I mean well it's funny we could talk a little bit about YouTube because there's some fun uh, information there you know we uh s- subscriptions basically are meaningless at this point because if, if subscriptions mattered in any way we have a quarter of a million subscribers that means that we should have a quarter of a million views on every video we release <laughs> so that doesn't there is no direct value to a subscription all that yeah. is, is you suggesting to youtube that you might want to see updates from this channel right That's sort of that but that doesn't dictate uh, when, if and when YouTube will actually send you updates from that channel. So it's uh, YouTube is a strange landscape these days and it's it's we're, it's losing a lot of talented people who just have failed to figure it out and find success on there this, in the way that you you might have been able to in the past. Yeah, it's definitely a rapidly changing landscape and uh, we're still trying to hang on strong. Our top 10 video is an example of something that we're trying now. Uh, we have a whole series of top 10 videos, as a matter of fact, <laughs> planned. Uh, we'll be hopefully filming maybe another one this week. Yeah. And Each one more genius than the last. I will, I will safely <laughs> put that out there right now. I don't know I'll about my... that. But, <laughs> but you can always expect us to take things in a direction. And uh, <laughs> we'll see what that direction is. Yeah, it'll be. We're never going to. That's one thing. When people saw that. I mean, we're always sort of trying to ride a line between what's real and what you should take seriously and wh- when you should just have some fun. 
Um, we've always kind of dabbled in trying to convince you that something that's not real is real, and so we're gonna we, we put out a, a a video with a typical with the typical YouTube entrapments, you know, like the thumbnail alone should have been a dead giveaway that we would never, you know. Um, <laughs> sincerely pursue a video that was just that much of a, a YouTube <laughs> like clickbait, you know, yeah, a piece like that, you know, a YouTube piece, but it's, uh, but it's our, our, I think our primary goal is always just to have, is to have a lot of fun with what we make and, uh, you know, hope that people enjoy that. So, yeah. And, and of course, uh, I think a lot of people got the gag that we were going for that it begins in a somewhat normal zone and just gets progressively more insane as it goes to the point where you're either going to be mad by the time you get to, you know, three or two, or you're going to be along for the ride by three or two, or maybe (laughs) even both, you know, maybe there are people who are like, Oh, I got taken for a ride, but it was fun getting there. We we definitely didn't set out to just make uh, a shit post. (laughs) <laughs> it's too much effort for just a shit post. Yeah, no, we, was, we, uh... we, we don't we don't phone in things. It's not even shit posts. So. Yeah. so Yeah, we gave like we gave real weight to our facts. We actually tried to construct um some sort of a, a framework behind each story. There was some classic Arl Knotts shenanigans in there, you know, that I remember when Craven sent me the first pass on that that orbital filmed that scene shot on location in space i was we were both just like like i don't i I laugh pretty easily like i like to you know i'll 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 sometimes unfairly laugh at things that maybe weren't that funny i was fucking crying in a way that i haven't cried (laughs) laughing like that in a long time it was just so hilarious just the the way the way like the scene twists people's reactions to seem like they're losing oxygen on a space station is just to me that's one of the funniest things that's ever gone on our channel so that's that that sequence that that. that sequence hurt us both i think it was (laughs) i mean there's first of all there's always something inherently funny about a camera man trying to you know find focus on something uh (laughs) you know and then the idea that they're just what they're up against in that situation i mean obviously the whole crew is like strapped down you know, <laughs> well, you uh, see, like you can almost imagine the cameraman, like maybe in a in a like a high chair, kind of like a baby's chair, but like for a, a grown up with this this camera tethered to him. That's maybe not entirely stable; it's just a strap or something. Right, <laughs> right. and of course he's got you know shoulder length hair, and he's wearing like a white like a like a tight white t shirt. Dude, all the the classic nineteen seventies behind guys, the scenes. Every dudes. guy on the Star Wars set was just looked like that, you know, <laughs> <laughs> with some like half tinted shades, like prescription sunglasses. You know, <laughs> that crew. If you really, we made we made a joke about the laser disc behind the scenes, but if you you know get in there, go deep, see if you can find a yeah. copy of the full thing and, and watch it down. It's pretty great. And I love hearing stories, like legit stories from behind the scenes of those guys just ripping the movie as it was being made. Because nobody, apparently like morale was pretty bad on that set. Everybody making it, it just, they were just couldn't believe what they were seeing. They couldn't even imagine a world where this was going to be a hit. Right. And, you know, you had C-3PO's costume was constantly falling apart. Right. You know, it was just like 
barely hanging on to Anthony Daniels or A1Z4, whatever we named him. <laughs> but uh, so it's just all these classic union jabronis, you know, that are just they're just there for a paycheck and they're just just crapping on George Lucas and all those guys. <laughs> they're these like these like uh, union tough guys, you know. Right, right. <laughs> Man, that video, though, it was, it was fun to just because a lot of those observations came from our time spent with all that footage making all the the Star Wars parody episodes like you caught that guy, which, man, there's a story there. The The third crew member. Oh, yeah. We got, the third crew member character. We were. Yeah, we were going through clips and then we, we saw this guy who looked like just some some random crew member just sweeping the set or something behind Han Solo in that in that the the passageway in the Millennium Falcon. And so that guy, you know, yeah, we noticed him early while we were editing uh some shots from uh one of the Arlnots Star Wars episodes. And he he kind of looked like it was just a guy trying to dip out of the shot as quickly as he could. It, it all the movement had all the the ingredients for just a guy who was who was in the scene too long and didn't get out in time. Right. So that was we had always kind of planned to make a joke about that at some point, but then Todd fucking Vaziri, it just it it implanted a, a a worm in his brain that he couldn't let go of, and it was that's kind of like one of the magical parts of what we get to do yeah. that, that we can like like interact with people who who work and create the films that we admire. We got this guy who's the lead artist at ILM who just that messed with him so badly because he saw him in our video and he knew the whole video was lies, but then he went back at some point and checked the original movie and saw that that guy was indeed in that shot. We didn't make that part up. Like it's a lie based on a fact. Right. And he just couldn't believe it. He was like, he went through this whole thing about the magic of uh, film psychology and how like if a shot's good enough, your brain will just eliminate that. And how, how amazing it was that that guy was always there and we never saw him. And then he he posted a link to that basketball video, you know, where your your the the on screen instructions lead you to count the number of passes. And so while you're focused on that, you miss the guy in the gorilla costume. Right, right. Um, but then he took it a step further. He went in and he found he re edited the the original scene well, you know basically th- from a bunch of footage. You know what I think happened was that he there was like a splinter in his in his mind to quote Morpheus. Uh, <laughs> that that good old Morpheus. He was probably thinking. So he sort of resigned himself to the idea, right, that it was a mess up. But that they, he sort of poetically put it, like you said, that sometimes the shot composition is just so correct. You you accept a mistake. You accept something that breaks continuity, because films aren't perfect. And so he was made this great point. And there are all kinds of continuity errors in all of our favorite great films, right? But then I think he like couldn't accept <laughs> in his mind that that would have happened that way. Like something kept him <laughs> kept him thinking about it and kept him going on it because yeah, he would not have like that that first post that he made was like early in the day, like oh, film magic yeah. and, and continuity is is beautiful. You know, content. <laughs> and then like later that night, he made another post where he was like, okay, I I went in deep to figure out like what the hell <laughs> hap- happened <laughs> in this shot, and he like Sherlock Holmes did. He he yeah. figured it out, and it wasn't a crew member. 
or anything. It was like Obi-Wan Kenobi. Yeah. From a shot that was way lit later in the scene. Yeah, it was just edited out. It turns out it was just edited out of sequence, right? Like it was still a continuity error, but it just wasn't. It wasn't in what sequence. We thought it was, yeah. which was a which was just a different guy. We weren't lying and when think, we said that the previous shot, like that, wasn't us editing it in some funny way. Although it could have easily been that because we were playing fast and loose oh, with yeah. everything. But <laughs> but but yeah, the guy. I think that's what set Todd off. <laughs> is that yeah. we weren't making it? We weren't making that continuity error up. So he he went on that that deep dive and he found the shot, what looks like a continuation. So it so so the shot that of that we have in there as the third crew member is not a shot that appears later in the film, but it looks like maybe the tail end of something that was cut yeah. from a later shot in this scene, but which is kind of amazing that he found it. And then he stitched the two shots together, <laughs> the one that happens later yeah. in the scene and the third crew member shot. And it pretty much is Obi-Wan Kenobi, like walking. Out yeah, of, he's out just of... getting up and leaving. Yeah. <laughs> and they just didn't color correct his robes. That's why it kind of looked like a greenish jumpsuit. Well, there's a you green, can see it in, there's green in Todd's lights. edit. They're, they're, like oh, green, right. they're like green lights, you know, along the hallways of the Millennium Falcon. So I think the way he walked past the light just caught him in a weird way. You know, and I know that you were bummed out that, that Todd figured it out and that it wasn't a crew member. Like, is there is something magical that there's just a fucking guy, just some <laughs> camera assistant in the, in the shot in the sci-fi fantasy adventure. Right. But what I do love is that, so you're right. That took Todd all day. We ruined Todd Viziri's day. <laughs> In order for him to figure this out, it, he, it cost him a full day of productivity because I feel like he's similar to you where like you get something in your head and you ha you won't let go of the mystery until the puzzle has been solved. And so he's like probably just blew off work, like just <laughs> totally was unable to do anything else because he couldn't let this go. And then he just had to until he finally got in there with some foot, got his hands on the footage. He may have even went into the ILM film archives and pulled out. The fucking film from Star Wars in order to, to tap into this, the, the true Dude, answer. God only knows what Todd is capable of. <laughs> there was like, Todd had to fucking scan his retina and, and like <laughs> take a fucking DNA test before he could get this footage. He's like, I'm going to the to the bottom of this third crew member horse shit. <laughs> What does Joe Yowza have to do with it? <laughs> that whole spin. So that's just like us throwing the scent off the trail. Like Joe Yowza. We just started to think of like, because jo he did do that with Jabba. Jabba was a character that exists in previous edits that that wasn't be able to be realized the way George Lucas wanted him. So we just took that same story and just applied it to... The, the mysterious third crew member and then just took a character from Return of the Jedi where Jabba the Hutt finally but but you know what's so and, you know what's so funny about that is that it's you know while we were making this I think our our thinking was that it'll eventually become apparent that these things are just not true because of how silly they are right. and of course we started intentionally with things that are a little bit easier to swallow right but right <laughs> but there's this thing that that's when you start looking at really what's going on in the Star Wars universe 
you start to think about how difficult it is to peel apart what's insane and what's not <laughs> because right. there is a character named Joe Yowza. So like when we make a joke about Joe, throw your hands in the air, that seems like the obvious joke. Not that right. they were trying to rename him Joe excitement or Joe like that. That could have totally been <laughs> like, like, yeah, maybe, right. maybe what if his name was Joe excitement? Would that have shocked in a world where anyone? there's <laughs> right in, in a world where sleaze bagano exists, <laughs> like he, he, he's applying very simple rules of, 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 medieval fantasy which is you just name somebody loosely after what their strongest character trait is you know right. so like joe yauza is like he's an mc you know he sings and he drums up he whips crowds up into excitement i mean it probably <laughs> so, would have been joe excitemento or something yeah that no, we didn't star wars it enough that's the problem right. <laughs> excitemento Man, now I wish we would have done that. Holy shit. I mean... Joe Excitemento. I, you know what? I I love that in most cases, from the most vocal people in the comment section, that it took them all the way until number two for them to realize that they were being taken for a ride. Because <laughs> like, that means that they believed that the Jar Jar team with the fucking kitchen playset <laughs> was a real thing. <laughs> with... Flag on decantor. <laughs> the problem becomes knowing when there's a joke or not. So there could have right. been a five man Jar Jar team, but maybe they didn't become a playset, like a kitchen playset. Right. But that's but that's why I think the thing that sells that one though is how sincere you are when you explain the playset. <laughs> like you're like, well, we also. <laughs> Well, there was a funny joke in the comments where, like, I knew it was a lie because he, they said Rick McCollum said no. Like, that was – and that was sort of a little Dude, tell that we left in there. The like, comments, that's, like, this is all fake. The comments – we enjoyed the comments for, for that video so oh, much. Man. Like, we were so into that. We we love reading the comments on YouTube. Like, we, we read them all. And then at some point, we just kind of have to fall off because – but – but um, yeah, in those first couple of days, too many to keep up with. It's but. just so much fun to see what people like. I, I don't know. It's it's just so great when people that are into what we're doing are, are just getting in there and just landing these 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 zingers. You know, it's it's pretty yeah, amazing. I actually I actually screenshotted a bunch of them and just added them to our Instagram stories because <laughs> they were just so funny to me. And there was well, then there's also the guy too that was like he tried to poke holes in some of the things he says. He's like, all these other ones seem like you just made up a bunch of shit. That one seems true though. And I was like, which ones did you believe? Like he, he's, he, he said that only one or two of them seemed like we just ran out of things to, so that we just padded some of the stuff information at towards the end, which means like he was on board, but he was mad at us for like not landing it. <laughs> he's just, that only some of it seemed like bullshit that we were making up to pad out the list, which I, which is yeah, that, almost like a compliment as thing, far as the, I'm concerned. I mean, it's, I think that's a that's definitely sort of a compliment. But the the thing that's that people may not know is how much bullshit there really is in that video. Like, I, I just about yeah. just about everything that we say is complete baloney. Like, we yeah, we, we weren't we even wrote an original list of bullshit. Like. <laughs> And then found other things that weren't true to justify them. Like it's, it's layers and layers and layers and layers of bullshit. Like anybody Dude, who goes to that, that video and of... thinks that they've gained any, 
Anybody who oh, goes man. to that video and thinks that they've gained any insight or like actual knowledge about about things that people didn't know about Star Wars is just gonna end up like embarrassing themselves. <laughs> Dude, I hope that somebody out there really believes that C three PO was cut out of American graffiti. Like <laughs> That shot of him, that fo- when you sent me that photo of him just like with his hand in his pocket with that little <laughs> button up on, just kind of listening in on that conversation, that was the funniest. Because you were sending me something else. Like you were sending me a, a cut, like a, 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 a rough cut. Right, right. And I don't think you, but I saw that thumbnail in the in the Dropbox folder. <laughs> I, just, I just glanced at it, even the size it was at. It was like a... a tiny teeny little thumbnail and i knew instantly what i was looking at i just started dying i didn't even hit play yet i was already like so happy i was gonna say the character in that shot is actually ron howard which is extra was that ron howard (laughs) i don't know why that's extra funny it just that makes me laugh it's pretty that's that's great that actually makes me even happier because that's perfect we actually so zach and i had a debate about the order so the order of these was was pretty clear from the beginning. We had ones that were more a little bit more believable and then getting worse and worse. We sort of had a debate, a really fun debate at the end about whether or not we would end with A1Z4 or parts of the Star Wars set were actually filmed in space. Because the, the, because the space sequence is such a big... To me, that's the funniest joke in the whole thing. I mean, that's... The, 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 like, like a crew of people trying... <laughs> trying to maintain control over a set that's in space for no reason. And like how insane that is just kills me. But eventually we landed on the idea that it was more plausible that they would try to build a set in space than it was that there is an actual artificially intelligent robot man. <laughs> as sophisticated as C-3PO As sophisticated is. as C-3PO, like right. So we had, to, yeah. we had to end with A1Z4. We just had no choice. And we also we also sort of agreed that you needed a little bit of a come down from that the insanity of that set falling <laughs> right, apart, right. being ripped apart by the vacuum of space. Like that is just like you needed to just like before we got into like you can't just be like all right thanks for watching like after just some that something that intense right like right you needed a, you needed an aperitif. Should we do a little update on uh, to twenty thousand kilohertz? Yeah, yeah. So let's. I'll just wrap that out by saying that uh, you know expect more videos like that in the future because YouTube is like basically spent the last year punishing us for making content that gets copyright claims on it, and a lot of our videos have a lot of claims on them. So they just are. We're giving it. We're given a new designation as a problem channel because we have so many like copyright issues with our videos. So we're just trying to mix it up by having more stuff that just we made that features more original content, so that we can actually just have some videos on there that will help push us back up the uh, in in favor, you know, in favorable stance of the algorithm. So the almighty algorithm that we all are in mercy of. Um, so yeah, that's why we have like you know like the. Uh, the, the music video we made for Come On Christmas, you know, something like this. Just original things that that belongs to us, you know. So that's why that's why you're seeing that. Expect more of it. You seem to like it, and that's good. So, yeah. So, yeah. You're, uh, you talk about uh, the podcast you were on. Yeah. That's, that's coming out soon. So, uh, so there's a guy. His name is Dallas Taylor. He has a podcast called 20,000 Kilohertz. It's an absolutely amazing 
podcast about the art of sound design and recording in obvious things and uh, things that maybe you don't know that much about. For example, the history of the Xbox startup sound <laughs> or something like that. You know, like the guy who created that and that, that the Xbox sound was actually generated from the machine itself. Yeah, like that was what, like a startup sound that actually made. Yeah, was, uh, exactly. The, the hardware, yeah. So we had a back and forth and he explained that he was working on a, a, an upcoming podcast on film trailer sound. He was featuring an academic who was going to talk about film trailers and he thought it would be cool to have one of us come on and discuss what our thinking was going into how to make a blockbuster trailer. So so we did record an interview and that's going to be on one of the upcoming episodes of 20,000 kilohertz. That's going to be a, a Craven ride solo on that one. So I'm excited to check it out. Yeah, that's always kind of nerve wracking. Um, you guys have definitely had a your fill of this fucking guy, so I'm excited to get some <laughs> Craven time out there. Speaking of Craven time, uh, we're hoping to to put another series on on Arl Knots coming up. Um, just I think we're gonna call it Epic Hangouts uh, for anybody who's yeah. for anybody who's longing for more uh, Matthew McConaughey type sitting in cafes while it rains style of videos. Uh, I think we're going to do maybe a series of, of those just different uh, ambient sit downs or whatever. And we're not sure what those look like yet. We've got a, a list of some things that could be cool for that. And those are a little bit outside. I mean, in a sense, they're kind of like the minus music videos, which we, we, only, we only did a couple of those. Yeah, I totally I totally forgot we did like E.T. I was just thinking about it. And I was like, oh, yeah, ET, we did an E.T. one. Those are amazing. And I, I'm kind of <laughs> bummed that. The, they didn't catch on. I think that's sort of when our channel was like starting to hit the uh, the the trenches of the algorithm too. <laughs> it was just yeah. you still get comments from people that are like, "Why didn't I see this?" You know, and I have close friends who are like, "Yep, didn't get. I never got a notification about your new video." And that's yeah. Um, that minus uh, Williams ET was hilarious. It's like just crappy shotguns making noises and you know <laughs> bell bottoms swishing. As they run after like crappy bikes that are making just squeaky pedal noises. Yeah, just you know, kids on bikes f f with the the magic of flying with no music is so lame. <laughs> it's the most lame thing. The, po the power it. of us of a film score, you know, it's ridiculous. <laughs> that, uh... But yeah, I guess um, I think that's pretty much most of the uh, or some of the updates for now. Yeah, uh, we can maybe if we think of more, we can double back and add that to the thing. But uh, in the meantime, we should uh, we should talk about Alita. Okay, so Alita, right? Do you want to do it? <laughs> you want to talk about Alita? So we saved this for you guys. We were both, so, yeah, we both went and saw it recently, and we were both kind of bursting at the seams as soon as we got on the phone with each other, and we're like, "Did you see Alita?" Yeah, I did. I just we should talk about this on a podcast. So we saved ourselves for you guys, and so we haven't even. Taught, we haven't said anything about it to each other, so right. I'm the only the only thing that we had going into Alita was Robert Rodriguez's excitement about these these big eyes <laughs> yeah. and why why he felt they were so right for the film and how cool they were. And right out of the gate, that just was confusing to me because the the first thing that Zach and I started talking about was. The idea is not to take an aspect of animation and then somehow make that, you know, a depiction photorealistic. Of the real world. Yeah, like that's because then yeah. because then everybody would be like an anorexic, like ninety pound 
like human being you know what i mean like it just it just gets super Ever. it just gets super weird like yeah you know like the the big eyes are not like something that would translate to reality it's a that's a style well, so you you looked up his actual explanation for it right like you had the his words right do you do you remember that or yeah i'm gonna it actually really strange. I'm bring it up right now um I mean, while you're looking, like, essentially what he was saying was that he just, it's never been done before, right? There's never been the the aesthetics of anime properly represented in a, in a feature film, right? Which, to me, is just so flawed, because he's basically saying, so, oh, wait, when you watch I, that I movie, okay, yeah, hit um, it. So he said uh, in some early interviews, I think this was with IGN, Robert Rodriguez explained the decision to give the character these peepers, saying... The manga anime eyes that we've seen since the 30s and Astro Boy has never been done photorealistically. So usually when we see an anime translated, it doesn't feel like that. <laughs> and, then he, and then he continues. Uh, he adds, the early artwork I saw that Jim Cameron had, before it was even technically possible, had that in her. It was so striking and arresting, I thought, my God, we have to do that. We have to be the first to bring a true manga and anime character to life. Like, that's just strange because... It's very strange because it's an anime, which means every character from the source material has those eyes. But for some reason, in his translation, it was just her that needed to have... That needed to be a, a walking, talking anime character. Yeah, and I don't... I'm not even against it in the way that it was used in the film. And I, and I know that James Cameron came in and was like, ah, we got to correct these eyes because they're, they're big. Yes, but they're really off putting. And I think it was because, uh, the proportions of the eye weren't correct. Like she sort of had like a bug eyed look and they, I think they changed the size of the iris to give her more natural and sort of appealing look. Well, she already, even just in this finished version looked like E.T., like, that's just what, to me, she looked like. She didn't look like an anime character. She looked like a monster. Like, that's... Yeah. And so I couldn't even imagine what it looked like prior to that. Like, that's... You can see you can see original the, the original trailer eyes and the final eyes, and they made some good imp improvements. And, and, you know, I didn't even yeah. mind because... Okay, so major spoilers for Alita coming up. Um, I think for the rest of this section, right, in the podcast. Yeah, uh, yeah. But I think, um you know, the all the other... Uh, characters that were like androids had big eyes and maybe you know the idea is that maybe because they were some sort of super warrior that right they needed the larger eyes for something for something so right that her like race or whatever like all of her or her fellow the the, the same soldiers in her unit all looked like that right that was sort of the thing like it's like that's their look so that right? so that kind of worked for me i kind of thought okay yeah. that's just what those guys look like and yeah and i didn't mind it but but i did i still think it was kind of horseshoed in there kind of for no for no reason i mean i'm not against i'm not yeah. against people taking weird leaps and cool leaps to make something visually arresting and interesting but right but i, I don't understand why he felt that that was him bringing manga to life for the first time. Like I, I yeah. Cause he also didn't, it's still just, it's CG. So it's still just animation. Like he didn't bring anything to life. It's still just a cartoon. Like he didn't change. He put a cartoon in a live action movie, but it's in, in, as far as I'm concerned, it was just still like, he didn't make that trans transition at all. Yeah. 
Like, that would be like, I don't know. I mean, there's a reason. That, like, that, that falls under just because you can doesn't mean you should. You know, like, have a better reason than it just hasn't been done before. You know, that's... Yeah. Um, I, I'm dying to know, though, just, what, what you think about the, the, you know, these small sort of pedantic things about the eyes aside, like the bigger picture, yeah. Alita, you know. So the film world uh, never felt like a solid place. I didn't. I never got a sense of what the world was. There was no, apart from the fact that there's this floating city and that everything outside the city was dead. Like, it's, that's all pretty cliche um, megalopolis sci-fi stuff at this point. So I, I never felt like that city distinguished itself uh, uh, from the rest of the, the 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 world of generic sci-fi scenarios. You know, so that just it just felt like a messy sort of vaguely steampunky, uh, you know, cyber city. I wasn't sure what the rules were. I didn't really care about anything that was happening in the city. There was this like slasher subplot. So apparently, there's just like terminators that go around and like like Jack the Ripper and like attack women at night, but then these guys hunt them. But like none of that was like, it felt like there was just way too much that I needed to know going into it. There was yeah. like, it felt like maybe like I, I should have been reading the manga and this was just a story that picked up like halfway through the manga. And it was just, I think it would have been great for somebody maybe more familiar with the, I watched the original anim, animated movie back in the day, but that was like 20 years ago. So I didn't bring any of that. Yeah knowledge with me so it just uh it just never felt like a, a solid place you know at, at no point did i feel like i was actually being transported somewhere i believable that's an interesting point i sort of enjoyed the way the film felt at the beginning and i sort of accepted the the premise and i said to myself i can go along with this but then it started yeah. losing me at, at certain points and it's hard to explain like where that started happening. I think. Uh, was it the fucking roller derby competition? Well, because... <laughs> I didn't mind the roller derby competition. I just, I think, I think what ha started happening was there were so many characters that were just a human face on a robot body. I just started, yeah. it started like losing me. <laughs> yeah. Now, dude, that now shit, Alita, that was a real problem. Alita is a, is a human face on a robot body right but because right. she has a human form and she's wearing clothing and she's at you buy it like you just you just go with it so right. if she's cool and a robot and you feel a connection with her and it you never lose it like i thought she was a great character but like yeah all of these characters with like robot face like like human faces that are just pure robot I just started like getting angry. Like the more they kept introducing these, like every single character was like that. <laughs> and eventually I was like, no more human faces on fricking robots. Like I just, yeah, it just started getting me like there. And there are a lot of problems with it. I mean, first it's, I, I think it's just, I, I start the first problem I had with it was what kind of a weird future is this that people would want that? There, there are like normal, yeah. there are normal human beings around. Why would somebody prefer this f disgusting, like Frankensteinian, you know, gr grotesque? Uh, like what? I, I, that was my first problem with it. Was what? Why? Why do these people prefer these grotesque forms? 
obviously yeah. like like when people are like yeah yeah I'm the like ultimate robot man and he's just like human face on like a giant <laughs> robot I'm like that that guy wouldn't I wouldn't be psyched for that guy I'd be like oh my god yeah. you know and then and then the other thing that kind of started bothering me was that I know it's difficult to do robots effectively in films but uh-huh. they put so much effort into making what felt like a practical world that I appreciated yeah. so much that I was bummed out that they didn't seem to approach robotics in the same way. And so every robot was just completely breaking the laws of physics so hard that I just yeah. stopped thinking. Like, I, I kept thinking to myself, couldn't they, instead of coming up with these badass, insanely nuts robots that can like do what they're doing like couldn't they have come up with arms and yeah couldn't they have come up with ways that the robots might have had to have labored realistically but but they needed to come up with other ideas about what made them cool or effective do you know what i'm saying like yeah and it just started grading on me like and and i think the the competition the rollerball competition kind of kind of captured that in a bit the biggest way for me you know it was to, it was nonsense. That was all it was. There was no weight to any of that shit. There's uh, so this is like I went so I went and saw the movie with our friend David Bizarro, uh, and we spent a lot of time afterwards drinking and, and talking about it while we were wasted. And my biggest problem was that was what you're talking about. There was no there were no rules to being a, a face stitched to a machine. There was no consequences. There were no politics. There was no, there there didn't seem to be any reason to do it or not to do it. <laughs> right. Other than like you could compete in rollerball and maybe go up to the city, but like why wasn't everybody trying to be? Why were there just regular humans? Why was there no like, there was no, like, divisiveness between? The, it just seemed like they just I don't know. There was there was just not enough, like, uh, consequence involved in that whole process they just seem like these are a thing that existed and sometimes that could be cool like things that just exist in movie worlds can be cool but in this case like why are there giant mutant dudes going around like killing people and that's i don't know it's yeah i I think overall what's that i just found myself thinking why didn't they approach robotics in the same way that they approached alita and have a bunch of cool characters that were robot infused but not some bizarre, right. like so. So one of the main characters, what was his name? Uh, the 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 largest guy. Uh, oh, he had like a German name or something like that. Like, uh, well, that was uh, Goro or something. You know, Ro- yeah, he was he was Goro. He was fucking Goro. He was the he was Rorschach from uh, uh, Watchmen. What's his name? Yeah, that was the actor that was the face model or perform he just performed you know for that like i i thought the character uh, was interesting but the 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 thing the the part that was most interesting to me was when he was a giant hulking thing wearing a cloak the cloak yeah that was was like that is awesome the promise of that and then he took it off for the rest of the film and was just a giant robot man with a human face and it was the most it sucked you're I just was like, yeah. this is lame. I don't yeah, this is not connecting with me at all. It was a huge Dude, all of those reveals. Same thing with the uh the, the the trap, the woman that they sent out, the red riding hood. Yeah. Um, she was awesome and like even just when her blades came out, but then when she took it all off, you're like, Oh, you're just a bunch of garbage. Like yeah. just 
that was like a, held together with a face. I, like that's just <laughs> not cool or imaginative or surprising or interesting in any way. Yeah. It's, I felt like that was a huge, huge misfire because, yeah. because it disconnects you from who these characters are so hard. Right. Well, and just take like your example of like Alita there, like the, the movie was largely about the purpose of her body, which was that she was specifically designed for a purpose Nobody else in the movie seemed like they were designed for a purpose. They were just garbage. And it was like, yeah, they, like there should be like, this guy's like this because he's a power loader. That person is designed for speed. That person. And you kind of got a sense of that while they were doing the roller derby tournaments. But it also just seemed like just show up with whatever. And if you're good enough, you'll make it, you know, like yeah. put six arms on you. Who gives a shit? It's just a mess. Like nobody cares what's. Like you can't tell what's going on, but my biggest problem with all these effects is that they just at no point felt like they had any real weight to them. Like uh, the main villain, like robot, kind of felt like he was there and heavy, but there was no. They're just car- they're just human faces like attached to cartoons. That's just how they felt to me the whole time. Nothing about them felt real or horrifying, and I feel like there was supposed to be an element of sort of. Or at least there should have been an element of body horror. That should have been the consequence of like, these people have given up huge parts of their humanity to the point where they're just a face and a spine with a brain attached to yeah. it. But that, and they even showed that, but it didn't mean anything to me. I never felt like that mattered. You could just, it, everything was interchangeable. Nothing had any real weight or consequences. Well, that couldn't have been. And I just feel like. You're, you're, you're totally right. And that, that couldn't have been on display worse than our lead leading man getting a head transplant and then just running around like it's no big deal. Like, yeah, he's just like, I'm going to go climb that pipe to the city. I, I was just like, that guy sucked. (laughs) I was like, this is horrible. This is, I I started, I, I got me thinking about Mars attacks and how they, they took off, uh, (laughs) they transferred the head to the 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 chihuahua body. Yeah. Dude, that was that's hilarious because that's about how natural it was. There was no moment where he was like had to readjust to like he's he had zero cybernetics. He went from having zero cybernetics to just a human head. <laughs> and he's just like there's no trauma or like self-loathing or like resentment. Like it's just yeah, I'm a robot now and I'm going to go my goals are the same. Um, yeah, I'm the same guy. That guy lost like, his that dick. That was just so, you know, and he's just he lost everything. He's just there, like <laughs> with this with this kind of El Cheapo scrap heap robot body, <laughs> and he's just dude. And I he like as a character that lost me so hard. I was like, I got, I have yeah. no uh, every feeling I had maybe for this character just went out the window. It was just. So I, I laughed out. I, I I literally laughed out loud when it cut to him just trying to climb that thing in that goofy ass El Cheapo, dude. That cracks me up. That is so what it was. I was like, dude, you're you're a mailbox with arms and legs. You suck, <laughs> and you have to know that. Like, you have to know that you suck. Like, why is this not being addressed in any way? He went <laughs> he went straight from getting his head chopped off, put on a a a, a, a fucking the low grade possible model and then instantly back into action. Like that was so weak. And then just when he got sliced apart, I just, just I so didn't care. I was like, whatever dude, like there's, you'll put him on a skateboard or something. He'll be fine. Like that's, I mean, it's like, yeah, he was, he was a machine. Right. And like, was it, why, why did, why did falling, I mean, to his, did he fall to his death? 
I mean, I guess maybe his head fucking exploded when it hit the ground. Who knows? There, you don't know because the, there's no resolution in the movie. It's all this intentionally vague, you know, like stay tuned next week for the next Dragon Ball oh, Z. That's a good point, like, yeah, nah. is that the film was designed apparently as some type of trilogy, I guess. Yeah, I guess like the the twist ending was that it was Edward Norton the whole time. Like that was so Oh, weird. that it was like, Edward Norton and not James Cameron <laughs> and not and not. Peter Stormare, who I thought it was the whole time. <laughs> I thought it was that actually James Cameron. That would have been perfect as Peter Stormare. That would have been hilarious if that was James Cameron. They do. He and Edward Norton have the same chin. Like that is. Yeah. They have the same jawline. That's. The twist ending was that someone is still willing to work with Edward Norton, who apparently is notoriously <laughs> impossible to work with. Like apparently he just. He's not the Hulk anymore. You know, like there's. You telling me you can work with Robert Downey Jr., but you can't work with Edward Norton? Edward Norton has to be uh, the real monster. <laughs> like he's <laughs> like that's he's not even. Yeah, I don't know. It's Nobody just that was just so weird that like this evil overlord that could possess bodies was just never felt like a real threat. I didn't care for this to just be a self-contained movie. There's like you know films these days are just now prepackaged as series as their own cinematic universes, but you still have to have a complete movie. There has to be a, a beginning, middle and an end, you know, that's yeah. just, that's cinema. And if you can't, if you could play, you could, you can bend those rules, but if you're just going to have like her, like I'm going to get you one of these days, but nobody knows who you are or why I care so much about you other than you sliced up my dumb boyfriend and sent him, you know, into the dumpster like there's no i don't care i didn't care about anything that happened at the end that was this like she's awesome so she's just part of the system still and she's playing rollerball and yeah climbing the ranks it was uh and i don't know if it's me being like an 80s fanboy but there there are movies out there that did what this movie tried to do and it felt more effective and I'm, i'm trying to separate myself enough to feel to see if it's just because my biases or if it was just more effective Do you have an example when well like robocop oh, is I, a perfect I actually example. thought you for a second you were gonna say rollerball <laughs> no dude fuck no not even dude the the the, the remake of rollerball with that guy from american pie um <laughs> no no it was uh like robocop is like me- mechanized body horror yeah that was effective it felt it it, it creeped you out to see that RoboCop was just a man's face stretched out over, like you you could feel his humanity missing and his like internal conflict with that loss was like a really a real driving force in that movie, and it was just done in like I'm not like you know being a I'm not sucking the dick of practical effects because I know that like real cinema is a mix of all of those the best of all those things but there was just this was just pure CG and none of those. There was no body horror involved. There was nothing shocking about seeing these guys. Everybody is so desensitized to that much CGI that it just... Nobody in the theater seemed, like, blown away by these monsters that were just getting increasingly more ridiculous. I think that's why they were trying to show them all in their, like, naked state. Because they were trying to accomplish that. And to me, it just... Yeah. It had the opposite effect. Yeah. It just turned me off from them completely, you know. That's just my own disposition though. And maybe some people maybe some people love that. I have to give credit where credit is due. I mean, the the visual effects department just totally killed it. I mean, 
these visual effects are like, like all the money spent in this film was on screen, you know, like they come up with incredible creations. It was like a dazzling visual effect world. It just, I didn't feel that it was utilized correctly, you know, and that's, yeah, exactly. It's hard to know. It wasn't realized. It's hard to know where, where things lie, you know, where the, it's complicated. Making a film is not easy. <laughs> oh yeah, um, but I, I really, I did really like um, the guy from Deadpool. What's that guy? That British actor's name who uh, who was like the main bounty hunter. He was really like his whole. Oh yeah, he was good. Situation was really cool looking. He was the most well realized cyborg I think in the. Um, he was like, okay, I get it. I know why you would want that body like that that makes sense to me that looks more efficient and deadly and you know right upgraded in every way everybody else looked like it's like why would you want that giant box with like <laughs> flailing tentacles on it that doesn't seem cool that guy seems cool like that's um and david and i were kind of poking fun at robin rodriguez because this he had this like mayan calendar on his back <laughs> for like no reason we're like that's just robert rodriguez that's all that's just you know he is uh David had an interesting point. It was that sometimes people can make things that are about a lot of things that they think is cool without quite understanding that maybe not everybody thinks that's cool. And so David pointed out that he thinks that a lot of that movie was just like, isn't Texas awesome? <laughs> so there's like like the roller derby scene and like the Latin you know uh, influence on like the architecture and just like it just seemed like a very like, yeah, Texas is an awesome place to live. It, but like a in, in a in a futuristic landscape, you know. So it was. Uh, it just seemed like a lot of like he was putting too much of his own personal cool, like which is what he's always done, which is like, which is I think is wonderful. But it's sometimes maybe it's not always the way to go, you know. Yeah. It's, uh, um, I don't know. I love Robert Rodriguez as a filmmaker. I think he's he's great. He's 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 set the bar for me personally, just in what it can what is possible, because he's just always been the guy who does his best work when he's has when he's got access to the least amount of stuff absolutely you know? absolutely um which and is for why that, i went to see this movie for that we'll he's... always be thankful for robert rodriguez because the guy yeah. is an awesome he's an awesome <laughs> director and an awesome composer too which is funny oh yeah because i didn't i didn't really know the story behind that that he just started composing sort of he didn't have any musical training and he just yeah. took it on as a thing and he you know, he pushed that side of his creative, um, and that's really cool to see that somebody can sort of, you know, continue to mold themselves like that. I think he contributed a lot to the uh, Kill Bill Volume 2. I think a lot of that guitar work and stuff was him, nice. if I'm not mistaken. I think it was. Uh, but he does that with a lot of things because he didn't have any formal training with visual effects either. And then he made that film, The Faculty. He made it basically just as a project to be like, I'm going to do make a film where I can just practice my visual effects work. Yeah. And so he just made the faculty and that whole film was, I think he just made it himself <laughs> in his, in his garage or whatever, like on his computer that, uh, so it's not a great film, but it's, it's a fun campy B movie, which is what he was trying to do anyway. But it was like the, the final creatures and all that were all like, you know, rendered CGI effects was just all him. Right just learning how to do it which is super impressive so yeah but alita what is just a strange <sighs> it's it's a strange way to approach that when you're trying too hard to be faithful to something then it's like why bother remaking it then like just direct everybody to the original and just 
let that be, you know? Like, if you're not really going to try to... Like, it has to be... Like, I don't know. I'm. It's... That's such a tough thing because sometimes adaptations that are different from the source material are better because they're... Not, not, not yeah. better than the source material. They're a better final piece of entertainment for the medium, you know? Yeah, com- commercially as well. Yeah. It's like, I mean, take The Shining. That's one of my favorite examples of how something is different as yeah. an adaptation. When a director yeah. has a sort of vision for something and they go off the reservation, but then it's its its own thing. Like, that is possible. You can do that. And then some other versions are a little bit more tied to the source in a, a sort of slavish way. Yeah. But I, I was disappointed because I felt like so many things were hitting me correctly that... Yeah, that's the thing. It was like, it wasn't a bad film watching experience at all. Yeah, right? Like, there are some big things going on. And Mm -hmm. it's, again, I thought the visual effects were awesome. I thought the performances were good. Like, I thought, I love Christoph Waltz. He's one of my favorite actors today. He's a a fucking treat. That guy (laughs) is so, just so awesome to, to watch. Like, I, he, he almost makes the whole thing worth it, you know, in everything that he does. Absolutely. Just because he's such a great actor. But everybody across the board, Jennifer Connelly, the ageless Jennifer Connelly, like, oh, still yeah. doing her. Oh, and uh, Marsala Ali was legit 100% the only person in that movie who felt like an anime character. Like, he looked amazing. Like, the um, Vector or whatever his name was, the guy in charge of the roller derby. Um, when he showed up with that little kind of like pointy mohawk style with his like Morpheus jackets and his little round sunglasses. I'm like, that is an anime character. Oh like, yeah. Is, he's right off the page, you know? Yeah, totally. The cast was great. Like every, I don't know. I, there was, there were there were a lot of things that were working for me. And uh, uh, speaking of, speaking of him, by the way, uh, I, I feel like that was one of the best deaths like that one got me good. Oh, when when he died and he so so in the film uh, for anybody who doesn't care about this particular spoil well, we already said spoilers, right? So if you if yeah, you, if they're still here. They they know what they're getting into. Uh, we haven't given away too. Well, I guess we've given away just about just about everything. But so <laughs> the character these characters are, are being possessed by. Was it Doctor No? What was Doctor, his name? Yeah, Doctor No, the big the big bag. What was the guy's name again? I don't even. Yeah, just evil scientist. So the evil scientist. So the evil scientist uh, who is uh, Edward Norton (laughs) um, can can possess (laughs) can possess people on the planet's surface and anywhere, and use them as a proxy to communicate. So it's one of those classic like cliche situations where somebody's like sitting there and talking, and then suddenly they're they become possessed. Their eyes become a different color, and now they're like a puppet for this evil scientist character, and he can talk through them. Which is kind of funny because, you know, using something like Skype would be like so much easier. But, but like, <laughs> so, so the thing that's, that, that really got this, that actually got me pretty good when, when his character, when Ali's character uh, was possessed mm-hmm. and then Alita was, was like, screw this. I'm just going to, I have to kill you because you're, you're just so terrible. like such a terrible, evil person. And then right. while he was dying, his physical body was dying, but he was still possessed with a certain amount of, you know, clarity, sort of like state of the art clarity. So he was sort of like uh-huh. telegraphing his own body shutting down, but in this really calm way, like he, he's sort of looking at himself and he's like, yep, that, that stab wound definitely looks fatal. And he's like, sort of like falling, to, he's like falling <laughs> to the ground, you know, and that's, 
and he's just that like, i thought that was really effective and really interesting and really brilliant uh that i did like that that yeah, was that was fun. that was a pretty funny interesting thing and, and in a way it was kind of like he the body died before he released the proxy puppet which i thought yeah which it was I like was, he had a little bit of a signal left yeah which i thought was interesting because i thought that that sign that this guy was such an evil prick that he was going to like allow the guy Oh, to feel access the... back to his body just to die, you know? Yeah, just to feel himself dying. That yeah. might have been maybe a step too too far. That might have been too. That might have been some like Stranger Days level cruel. Strange Days, yeah. Strange Days. Jeez. Oh, that reminds me of a part though that did that was effective in that sort of visceral '80s body horror way when he was like everybody goes up eventually, and then he just cuts to like what happened to Jennifer Connelly. I was like, that's horrifying, but that's like. I, in a in a way that like the rest of the film kind of needed to be, you know. What was that? What what happened with? I forget what that that moment was. They s- just sent her parts, the, the 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 most important parts of her up to Edward Norton, like her brain, her eyeballs, her hands. It was just like, oh yeah, just they're just like part, just pieces of her in a jar. She had been like completely eviscerated and like. And, and pickled yeah. basically and they were about to send her up in this like case yeah and she and had eyeballs see it all laid out like really yeah it was like or it was like a brain in a jar with eyeballs and i was just like that is what this movie needed more of consequences mortal consequences you know like yeah. what we know from that world is she may not be dead but her fate is not good you know right. it's not she it's just she's she didn't get you know things didn't work out for her and so she suffered consequences that the world, the film world has sort of established as possible. Right. You know? Um, so I thought that was a really excellent touch. Um, yeah. I just feel like the film needed more of that kind of stuff. Her character was strange. She's like, I'm evil. Ha ha. Just kidding. I'm good now. What, what next? <laughs> yeah. She was an interesting character. I didn't feel like the relationship yeah. between her and, and, and Christoph Waltz made a lot of sense. They didn't seem no, like they were. Are you? It's like, is that our daughter's body? I'm like, excuse me, what? You guys know each <laughs> other? Like, this doesn't feel right. But of course, he's like a super secret, like a fallen scientist, and like yeah. that's just. Um, I'm not going to say it's cliche because the source material again is like 30 years old, but right. you know, it's at this point it does feel cliche that that's the do-gooder in in a, in a sci-fi situation like that is was had his, cut his teeth with the bad guys or something like that right you know? um yeah there's plenty of there's i would i'd still recommend it it's still something that should be seen now here's what i want to know are you interested in talking about your experience with the alita <laughs> live uh whatever that fucking escape room situation is so there was a production company. I mean, that's why you're there, right? You're an influencer. That's what they wanted. To, they wanted influencers to go and check out their shit. Well, they... <laughs> so yeah, Alita had a sort of escape. They they said it's not an escape the room thing, and it and it's, and it's not. But it's it, they're legally required to say it's that. In, <laughs> it's in the vein of that. It's a it's an experiential event where they recreated a bunch of different sets from Alita roughly in a, in a space in like a warehouse space. And you, you go there and you get a key card pass and everything is themed. So the key card pass is themed. You meet up with a, a bunch of team members and then you enter this thing. You get points with your team 
right? And and then the 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 team points are averaged out, and then at the end, you know, there's one winner, like one team, you know, wins. And uh, I thought the whole whole experience was like really like nerve wracking. <laughs> <laughs> well, did you did you felt like you were you were being judged the whole time? Well, right? well, was well that the sort whole of experience the is being is? judged, yes, because you have to perform tasks that are like freaking super lame like one of the tasks was just a puzzle and they time you with everything and then there are like themed ca- like a physical like puzzle a physical like puzzle. you have to actually put interlocking yeah but the pieces were just <laughs> extra large you know right so you you and your team members are trying to put this freaking puzzle together and they're like themed characters like yelling at you and timing you and then like buzzers are going off all over the place just like the movie man <laughs> let's not forget about the infamous timed puzzle solving it was like fucking sequence some of the some of the some of the puzzles were really well crafted it was really cool because a lot right. of the things that had been used on set were brought to this location in manhattan and like used you said, or was it, was it, I thought it was in Williamsburg. Was that, it was a, in, oh, sorry. Yeah. In Williamsburg. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so there were a lot of cool things to see. It looked really cool and uh, experientially it was fun and it did give me a sense of what the film world, uh, what the, the, the world was like in Alita and stuff like that. But, um, but a lot of the, uh, the puzzles and, and the games were just kind of like, your team members are like watching you do like some of the things weren't uh, you do it together. Some of the things were like right. one person has to go up and do something while all the other team members watch. So it's like, ah, this starts to feel, you know, it's starting to feel kind of bad. And then, um, and then the thing yeah. that really got me was there was a rollerball competition. Right. And we were down like 40,000 points from everybody else or right. something. And I said, screw it. <laughs> I said, let's bet everything that we've got, right? So yeah, we we had to like so. And you had what? Yeah, what was the bet? What so the bet that? was fifty thousand points or whatever, right? And right. it was on this one character, and of course they're rushing you through how to bet on the character. Like everything is a console that you don't yet know how to use. So they're like, run, right. run, run to the thing. You only get like ten seconds left to like put your bets down, and you're trying to figure out this thing. So finally, this guy talked me through it, and I I didn't exactly like know the the, the button to press to get to the to the mm-hmm. fi- to finalize the the bet, and the guy was like, just tell me who you want, I'll put it in, you know. And so I told him who I wanted, and he put the name in, and I watched him do it, whatever. And then we start, yeah. and then everybody in the whole thing, it's like eight teams, and every team has like five or six people on it, whatever. Uh, we're yeah. all standing there around this like CG animation of this race. (laughs) It's It's just a movie. It's like a rollerball. Yeah. Like movie. Right. And you're watching it and, uh, exhilarating. Yeah. Really exhilarating. And like, everybody's like screaming. And then if you bet all your money, you get double the winnings. Right. If you win, right. You know, all these characters are getting knocked out. And then finally it's like two characters and ours is like behind in second place. And then he makes like a final rally at the end destroys the, yeah. the lead the, the guy in the lead and then wins and my whole team is like yeah like we're like woo you know and then because yeah. um, that would have meant that we won the whole thing we go up to this the final scoreboard and we go down to like almost like zero points and some other team oh, wow. wins so there was like a mistake in 
somehow in the thing, I don't know if it was my fault or the guy's fault who put it in or something, but you know, they tell you when you walk into this, (laughs) this experience, they're like, it's not about winning. It's about how much fun you have. And the whole thing is about winning. (laughs) The whole thing is from beginning to end. Is You're only, like, let's not about winning, but let's be clear. There's going to be a fucking winner at the end of this night, yeah. and there's going to be one winner. There's going <laughs> to be a winner, and if you didn't perform, you're going to feel the heat, you know, like as an individual person. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, this whole like it's not about winning, but it's about the experience thing. I kind of was feeling like a little bit just kind of bummed out about it because I was like, yeah. I was like, you know, they, well, we just lost. They had, me, they had <laughs> me going on this feeling of winning. And then I thought that we, our team had won and that we had made the right call. And then we, we ended up being the last place team. Right. And then, so right. I go home, right. I'm kind of like, okay, that was fun, but whatever, you know, it's, we lost. Yeah. We you, you've, you've accepted it. You're like, that was just, it's not worth thinking. Yeah. About, it was, right? it was You're fine. Like, it was like, did it. it was like, I can see how people we would, got a gift bag. Yeah, people would, people would have fun going there seeing it and experiencing it, whatever. So I get home. You got some Alita themed, you got some Alita themed hot sauces. Yeah, I get, we got some hot sauces. <laughs> we got some, uh, we got like some t-shirts, you know? And of course the yeah. experience, you know, we were, we were invited to go as, as people ahead of the actual, like when they start charging people for it. So, uh, yeah. so I get home and I'm just like checking my email and this email comes in and it's like, <laughs> the email is like, you're a loser. <laughs> it's like, it is a picture of your face. Yeah, it's like a picture that was on my badge. <laughs> And it's like, you suck. You're a loser. It actually said like, it was like you, like you personally have, are just like a crew deck guy who can like sweep the floors. Yeah. They gave you a job, right? Yeah. In Iron City, in the world of Alita, you're, you're a deck man. They, they give you, they give you a, a thing. And I was like, I was like, you know what? Okay. I was like, fuck, this is like making me feel like not great. But I was kind of like. Well, they also gave you like uh like some attributes, right? Well, yeah. no, no, no. That's that's the that's the worst thing is that I was kind of like, okay, I get it. There's there's a deck man, and that's a low, you know, that's like a low earning, you know, grubby character in the film. And so, ha ha ha. Okay, yeah. I'm a deck man. We're all deck men, right? But then there was like there there was like a thing at the bottom, like a one to ten scale. And like four different characterizations <laughs> about you personally that don't have anything to do with like what scoring points meant in the game. So like one of them was like, it was like risk taker. It was like zero. And I was like, what? I was like, dude, I risked all of our money. How did I get a zero as risk taker? Right. I was like, what the fuck is this? Like, how could they like, so, so this like weird scoring system was even wrong based on the game itself. Like I should have had a 10 for risk taking, but I had a zero. Right. And that's just a fact. Like they know I bet all of our money. Yeah. Like they have that data, right? Yeah. They had enough data to say that I was a deckman. Right. Like they knew that we were losers (laughs) and they had no problem saying you're a loser. But then they actually started getting this information right. And then the one that got me was there was a zero to 10 scale and it was like compassion level. <laughs> right. And I had like a zero 
I was I was I was labeled as cold, like a cold person, like the compassion scale. And Dude. I was like, oh, how the fuck did they calculate the compassion scale? Right. Did you like, not did hug your that? teammates enough? Like your badges are actually designed to interact with each other when they when they touch and you didn't touch <laughs> like, other badges. Like I'd like to see the analytics on that one, you know, so I actually just started feeling depressed. I was like, I let our team down. We oh, lost man. by a mistake. And then I didn't get credit for taking the risk. And I'm a cold, you know, like compassionless. Emotionless. Yeah. <laughs> You're a Deckman. Which, so, uh, so by I the wrote, way, so I wrote them. no Deckman in the whole film. That wasn't even a fucking class that I know, existed. it's not even a thing. They weren't even in the movie. What is a Deckman? So yeah, you wrote them yeah. back, right? You were like, this is... <laughs> You can't give they out fucking f- bullshit psych profiles for people on a they game. Wanted feedback. <laughs> they wanted feedback. So I was like, hey, you know, I was like, the psych profile did not make me feel like I had a great time because yeah. we actually lost a game that was based on points and how well you perform. And you just basically said, like, kill yourself. You didn't just say that I suck, <laughs> but you actually said that I suck for reasons that are not true. Yeah. <laughs> like, There's no way like you, you could said I rate. wasn't a risk taker, but yeah. I did take it. I took the biggest risk we could have taken and we should have won with that risk. It was like, it was like I was being stabbed in like a bunch of different ways. You right ex- to the heart. Like you, you just experienced a uh, virtual Alita, <laughs> uh, virtual Alita. No, you experienced virtual uh, systemic inequality. Like you lost and were designated as a loser in society based off of incorrect information. (laughs) And some other dumb fuck just lucked into the winner's position and probably got a glowing email that they shared on social media about how awesome they were. (laughs) They fucking did. They they didn't deserve it. It was probably worse that it was. They also have your picture. Oh on yeah, the page. dude. Like that's the first then, thing you like, probably saw on the email was just like your your the photo you took of that badge, which was this is yeah. Like... And I looked like a sorry sack of shit too. That picture was sad. <laughs> it was worse than my worst driver's license picture, you know. And oh, then like, man. then Ren comes in and she's like, "What's that?" And I'm like, "Oh, it's the it's the after Alita experience, like." It's our final judgment. Psychological from Iron City profile from Doctor from from, from Edward Norton himself. Like, and she's like, is that public? Like, cause if some person just like comes across this like fake psychological profile and it's like zero risk taker, like zero compassion. compassion. Yeah, dude. If they, if somebody from your LinkedIn account, like found that and was like, well, fuck this guy. We don't want, we don't want a (laughs) deck man around here. We're looking for, we're looking for rollerball champions in this, in this outfit. Dude, what a piece of shit. Come on. I'm wondering if I go, if like the CG movie they play is just the same one. So if you just like the, the you can just pick the same guy every time and they'll win. They said they it's multiple. randomized. Oh, I they see. They said it's randomized. Yeah. So it's like, uh, like medieval times when you bet on your, your knight and hope that he wins the day while you're. Yes. But it sounds like it's not as fun as medieval times is what yeah, I'm Yeah, except it, it would be the I'm same getting. as medieval times if you got an email that was like, you're a peasant because, yeah. because you're you a shit suck. shoveling piece of shit that <laughs> eats shit for dinner. <laughs> and here's a picture of you doing it that we took of you when you walked in. We photoshopped poop in your mouth because that's who you are. We hired a team of animators to do this. Uh, Dude. 
what a what a strange promotional experience like i yeah i mean i'm I would, a big f- i would that? say go for it though are you gonna do it yeah you i'll give it a it. shot yeah and i'll go in just with what i know so my my id picture is gonna be rad i'm gonna be i'm gonna comb my beard i'm gonna brush it out so that it's just fucking blown out as psycho as possible and i'm just gonna have like crazy eyes for my photo like nick cage eyes you know <laughs> and just so that's what i want to see when i open up the email is i don't care what the rest of the information is as long as my picture looks like I might be like mentally unstable, unstable. <laughs> Maybe I'll draw like a barcode on my f- forehead or something like that before I go in. Just well, some... you can take, you can do whatever you want for the pic. Yeah, you should definitely. Oh, dude, do a barcode. Dude, straight barcode with an eye patch. Well, I need depth perception yeah. for these games. I'll just take it off. I'm like, hey. Yeah, take off the eye patch yeah. for the games, but you should wear. It for I'm the just gonna picture. look like uh, dress for the job you want, and I want to be cybernetic. Uh, Parts harvester, <laughs> dude. I love that. Uh, I love the future Ooh. that is like based on lame shit that's not even cool, like in our world anymore. Like rollerblading is just, I don't know. Like roller derby is definitely a thing that is uh, has a sub like a, its own like subculture in this country right now. That's pretty cool, but. Like, but just like rollerblades are not cool. <laughs> like, that's just <laughs> like when it's like some like when it's like a director is clearly like Robert Rodriguez was punk rock at one point, right? He made uh, El Mariachi and Desperado, and it was like this is a punk rock film do it DIY filmmaker, and now he's like a dad. Yeah, he's like a yeah. dad now, you know, and he's like rollerblades are radical, right? Like that's let's have like robot rollerblade <laughs> it'll be the most extreme <laughs> thing my kids will definitely think i'm cool after today like that's it's like dude no like i don't know just seeing them put like i made these hyper rollerblades just for your chassis <laughs> like, it was just i was just <laughs> laughing because all i could think of was uh there was this funnier die short called blade cop I think it was called Blade Cop. Oh, I remember Blade Cop. Yeah, there was just a, it was like a... Pretty good. He was like a regular cop that, you know, roller skated, and that's how he fought crime, and then he, like, got in an accident, and he's like, he was crippled. And then Ray Wise, who is just magnificent in every way, shows up with his experimental cyber roller blades, and he's just like, I have a little gift for you. And he's like, what are those? And he just looks at the camera and goes, they're called Blades. <laughs> <laughs> that's all I can think of when I saw Christoph Waltz putting them they're called blades <laughs> I don't know it's just uh, and I always have problems with movies like that where there's a character who has zero information but they somehow have enough information so that they're not just functionally completely useless they're still like, yeah. they still understand basic human interaction. And it's like, I just don't know what chocolate is. I'm amnesiac. I'm an amnesiac in a cute way. You know, it's not in like, a, yeah, right. I may like kill you for no reason. And there definitely was an element of that, but only when it was cool, you know, like, uh, <clears throat> right. There's a lot of convenience. Yeah, Lita there. was, was a strangely straightforward character. Yeah. Like she, she didn't have any kind of conflict at all. No. Cause she was just like, oh, you know, your body is like a weapon. You know, your original body is a weapon and your people are like, you're a berserker. Like he gave her this backstory 
and was like, if I put you in this body, it could be like an Iron Giant situation. You might remember your original protocol and just start killing people. And she's like, no, I'm good. I'm pure at heart. And that was never in question. And so I could just rock this body with no consequence, no conflict, right? nothing. I'm just same, same badass good person that, you know, <laughs> I started this movie as. It's just, uh, the, yeah. yeah, a lot of, a lot of. A lot of shortcuts in that film which uh yes totally dude i'm stuck on el cheapo that should be like the the <laughs> the, the bootleg like el chapo's like little brother el like el cheapo or just you know that could be a production company like vanity card el cheapo productions and it's just <laughs> it's just like a basic like caricature of hugo's crappy final form <laughs> Just a sad robot, like his shoulders are slumped and he's just standing on that tube, like about to get annihilated by that. What was that? Two blades. What were those things called? The, Two uh, blades. The t- they called them blades. They called them blades. <laughs> oh, man. I, uh, I, I'm i going to go way off the map here. Yeah. Have you seen the trailer for uh, Tommy Wiseau's? No. Oh, God. Wait, I saw a link to the trailer. What? What is it? It's called like Big Shark or something. We've had this conversation on this podcast about me. At least we talked about movies like that, like uh, exploitative genre films that just are made with no love and just. Yeah. Like I'm not I'm not thrilled about this at all. So so the thing so the thing about it is that I I immediately thought, no, no. I was like, no way, you know, because you can't try to replicate something that happened with something like the room. Right. It's impossible. Right. And I thought this is like really low hanging fruit. And then, but I watched the trailer and I, I started laughing because oh, no. yeah, it happened. It, like it got in, me in a way that they intended for you to laugh. I have no idea. I don't know. Cause the whole phenomenon because, of the room is that it, he made a sincere film that was supposed to be really emotional. And it was just so fucking bad that everybody, watched it to get a laugh out of it. And then he just leaned into that. He was like, yeah, it's a dark comedy. It's like, <laughs> no, that's, no, that's true. But, but so what happens in the, the big shark trailer is that it's different. It, it feels different from some of the other, like asylum movies uh-huh. in a way, because it actually feels like incompetent. <laughs> right. Oh, not like, not just Which, like intentionally campy with like, you know, cheap effects yeah. for the, for just the last. It's got something else going on. It feels like it's incompetent, which is hard to pull off. Yeah. Like that's not, you can't fake incompetency. Right. You, you know what I mean? That's a really tough one. You can fake like cheap, you know, like you can like, you can take like a puppet and, and make like a cheap, like you can fake, you know what I mean? Like you can fake an aesthetic. Right. Which is it's what... hard to fake something. That, you know, yeah. yeah, that's what they do with those Sharknado movies. That's a fake form of uh, of cheat of bad filmmaking. Like that's it is it's genuine right. bad filmmaking. But they're just like it's like anarchistic. They're like, haha, we don't give a shit. Like that's it's 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 like right. Um, it's willful bad film, filmmaking, which is like this sounds more right. like uh like a level of like. Well, there's a reason why Troll Two is so legendary because it's just from top from bottom to top bad filmmaking in a way that was never intended to be like, they're just like, let's make this film and try to make it good. <laughs> and just every aspect of it was a complete failure. And it was just, it's legendary for that. You know, it's, 
I mean, I don't, I don't suspect for one second, for one second, that was was oh, it was trying to make a good shark movie. Like no fucking chance, right? I'm not, I'm not dumb, but, but it still feels like you know what it kind of felt like to me that he was like, oh, I get to make a Sharknado style bad film, and then he he actually didn't know how to do that, right? So it just actually comes off as like something worse. So it's a bad attempt which, at a which, bad film. Like it's yeah, which is which is funny in its own way. Hmm. Because now I'm curious. The trailer is so ponderously bad that I was like, this doesn't even seem like. I, I don't know. It's kind of hard to explain. Damn. I feel like I, I feel like I'm not the audience. Do right. you know what I mean? I'm not sure who I is like though. I'm, Maybe like uh, I feel like I'm picking up on something that's different from what they're going for. Yeah, but may, maybe not. Maybe I'm exactly the. Maybe I, I think exactly this is L. A. is its own world, man, and it's a world where only L. A. is the reason that Tommy Wiseau is even like known to us because he, the story goes that he just dumped money into this film, so he he bought a billboard in L. A. on a on a very high traffic part of like the, the the interstate and so everybody right. that drove to work every day saw this poster and was like what the fuck is this movie they eventually were just so bombarded by it that they had to go see it and then once people started watching it they're like dude you know that fucking billboard that we drive by every day have you seen that movie and then it just <laughs> within like its own little ecosphere it, it 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 became a cult phenomenon just and it's la's fault that they celebrated this weird just like their own inside joke became a worldwide phenomenon. Right. You know? And so now it's like somebody in LA was like, let's give Tommy Wiseau money and replicate that because now you have an Oscar award winning movie that came out of that. So some, right. some out of touch misguided producer is going to be like, let's raise funds for Tommy Wiseau to, to do it again. Like, let's just give him whatever he needs to do it again. And we'll just, we'll just, lightning will definitely strike twice. What in the fuck is that? Is that a monster truck outside my, <laughs> Jesus. Whoa. Yeah. Late delivery, I guess. Um, I'm not pro Tommy Wiseau at all. I think it's, it's a fucking travesty that we are, like are celebrating this guy in any way. And it's like, it's clear that he is a pariah in, within that world. Like you saw it when, when James Franco went up to accept his reward for playing him. And then he invited him on stage like as a joke. And then the second he tried to take the microphone, he's like, get the fuck out of here. Know your place, bitch. You ain't for real. Like we're here. We're making fun of you. Like that's, and it's just, I feel kind of bad for him in that respect, but he's just such a, a cheese dick. Like he, like his multiple belts and like that, the, his shades, like the whole thing is like, he's trying to be, a celebrity and it's just that bums me out that he kind of that he is but he's like he's 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 the the yeah. celebrity version of one of his movies he's like he's successfully he he found success in failing to be something that's like that just you know and I'm like that's on a level that I'm just jealous of like that's it's crazy that he he's out there doing big yeah. things and like people are like that want autographs from him. That just really bums me out about the state of, of media. But, uh, so the, the, the existence of this movie is, uh, yeah, but Hey, you know what though? The room made me laugh really hard. And if I'm already laughing at this, you know what? Terrible trailer. Yeah. I don't Fair know. play, dude. It's, like if the movie like that. makes you feel something that's, you know, an escape from something, then that's like, 
it served its purpose. You know, who am I to say that that the, it, it didn't? You know, <laughs> it may be for the wrong reasons, but it's like I, I've always had a thing for films that are just really yeah, terrible. yeah, <laughs> like really like honestly bad you know what i used to think that i did and it turned out the movies that i thought that i liked i was like i like bad movies i didn't like bad movies i just like movies that weren't really popular you know like the movies that i like that were bad movies are like nutso shit that is actually like has cult status now when i actually try to watch like a legit bad movie i just can't do it i just i can't sit through it i didn't finish the room i've never watched mano's hands of fate like i've never I've never watched a Sharknado movie. Like I don't, I just can't actually enjoy movies that are bad for, so like, I'll give you an example. Like I, I loved early Michael Bay and Jerry Bruckheimer films. Like I thought bad boys, both bad boys films are like the shit. I loved them. Con air, the rock, all those movies. I thought I, I registered as bad. Those, these are bad films, but then you got guys like Edgar Wright making homages to those movies because they're so awesome in their own dumb way that I'm like, oh, I don't actually like bad movies. Right. I mean, those are blockbuster films. Like, they're not like, I'm not, I'm not like right. an outsider here in my joy of these films. This is like a pretty common thing. But yeah, so I, when I say I like bad films, I was a little, I've changed my song on that a little bit because I just, I don't like bad films. I fucking hate yeah, bad I mean, films. <laughs> to, to me, th- to me, the most disappointing thing is when something has a truly inspired bad flavor going on, and then it it's it and then it, and then it's like half competent, right? And then it that's just ruined. It just it's ruined. Right. That that's what happened with, you know. Uh. It was going to be my favorite worst movie of all time, and then it just ended up being made with some kind of level of mediocrity that was disappointing. We don't need to talk about it. I mean, it, I would like, love to, but I know we we probably shouldn't. <laughs> You know, it's just sort of like in the end, the movie was kind of like, ah, it's like not the worst movie yeah. ever made. It's kind of, but okay. it's not. Yeah. It wasn't like, bad in any spectacular way. And it certainly wasn't good by any, any standard. Yeah. It's yeah. kind of sad. The best thing about that movie was my but, review of it, which is, uh, doesn't exist anymore. Know. <laughs> <laughs> you know what though? On that note, my ear yeah, about yeah, to die. It's definitely a good place. So, we got some solid, uh, so shit yeah dude i hope you guys enjoyed the uh the latest episode of the rl knots podcast and uh we're gonna continue doing this shit making videos i'm gonna keep pumping out episodes of excelsior and just i don't know we'll just be there for you when you need it most Yeah, and we'll be on the lookout for any new Star Wars things coming. Yeah, up. I think like there's supposed to be some big trailer. news in that. We have a whole nother year of stuff. I know you guys are into Star Wars stuff. We are too. Other than that, yeah. Thank you everybody again for uh, just being out there, being into our shit. Absolutely. I got nothing else. <laughs> well, thanks for listening, everybody, and uh, yeah. we'll be uh, we'll be talking to you soon good to be here again on the podcast and uh yeah oh there go my headphones oh all right dude all right uh, let's let's sign off (laughs) all right peace out peace out